times have changed for everyone and especially our generation everyone is a multi-dimensional creative and i think like moving into the future that that is the way forward welcome to making conversation with me grant bryden a podcast about music creativity and careers for this series i've sat down with a range of artists and creative professionals in order to learn about how their unique experiences and perspectives can help us in our own creative and business practices. For this episode, I spoke to creative consultant and one half of Bossy London, Damira Coombs. I'd recently bumped into Damira while I was considering a crossroads in my own career, and she put me onto an article about the advantages of generalizing and working across several interests over specializing and focusing on one thing as a creative professional. I think she's an amazing example of that, having juggled a number of her interests across her ever-evolving career, including, but not limited to, makeup, photography, DJing, events management, and PR. We spoke about the role of a creative consultant, taking the dive from a stable job and regular income to go freelance, and being an introvert in the music industry. What was the first music that, like, affected you, that, that you got into, like, ever? Well, ever. Okay, so I'm from a really musical family. Okay. So my mum and dad, I grew up listening to everything from probably like our our family band is Steely Dan. Right. And I think Steely Dan already was so ahead of their time. Yeah. So growing up with music like that, um, from, yeah, Steely Dan to jazz to my dad loves Mary J. Blige. Right. Like, that's all her albums. Yeah. Um and yeah, be like being really free to listen to whatever I wanted and also exploring all my parents' CDs because when I was super young I didn't have anything of my own. Yeah. And um so yeah, I just listened to all their stuff and you know, some like really obscure kind of jazz stuff like the weather report, they're like it's yeah, uh, Herbie Hancock. Right. So that that's the kind of stuff I grew up on. Yeah. Um and then yeah, I would say probably the most prevalent for me is Steely Dan. Right. Yeah. And when you say you came from a musical family, were they fans or did they make music or what was so, their like involvement? My dad is a drummer. Okay. And he used to be in a band. Which band? <laughs> uh, they're called Steeler's Will. Okay. And they did that song, um, Stuck in the Middle with You. Okay. Yeah. So they did that song and my brother's a drummer. My granddad is also a drummer. Um, and then my mum is just like my mum and dad met from bonding like over music. That's how they first really got on. And um, so, yeah, that's that's my musical background. I did you say. ever play any music? I did. I did. I played. I learned piano for a while and then I hated my piano teacher. Right. And I really wished that I just got another one. Yeah. But my parents were like, oh no, she's not into it. But I really, really regret not like pushing for another one. But when you're a kid, you don't really, you're just like, hey, hey, I don't have to do anything after school. But yeah. I did that. I did cello as well. Right. And then I wanted to learn how to play guitar. And my dad, he's super talented. He's a drummer, but he can like sonically, he can kind of do anything. So he can like listen to a song and then be like, oh, I'll play it on piano or play it on guitar. So he would just teach me stuff. I'd be like, I want to learn this song. So then he'd like listen to it a couple of times and then teach me how to do it. And then I got bored of that. And now I just don't play an instrument. Right. 
which I really regret. What was the first music that you started to bring into the house? <sighs> um, Craig David. Right. <laughs> that was one of my favorite, favorite albums. I think. And I was super young. I loved Backstreet Boys and what else? Billy Piper. <laughs> you know, of, yeah, just yeah, of yeah. that time. Yeah. Compilation tapes. This is now 21 or whatever those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That kind of stuff. But yeah, I don't really think I had much to bring to the table in terms of <laughs> like good music until I was a bit older. <laughs> right. And where was it that you were growing up with? So I grew up in, I was born in Malaysia, right? but then I moved to England when I was six. We moved to West Sussex, um, to a place called Bognor Regis. Right. Ever heard of that? Yeah. Terrible. Um, and then, yeah, lived, lived out my teen life there. Yeah. Always wanted to get out, always felt like a bit of an outsider. And then, yeah, I came to London when I was 20. Okay. Yeah. When, when you were younger and like people talk about what they want to be when they grow up yeah what did, what did you want to do I never knew I honestly never knew because I think still still till this point I, I have so many interests that it's hard for me to just pinpoint on one thing and be like this is what I want to be but obviously when you're younger I'm also not an academic person at all like I pushed myself to study hard in school and push myself to get good grades because I think that's like the Asian background in my family, like get good grades. Right. But um, yeah, I think I probably went through all the stuff like, I want to be a vet, I want to do this, I want to do that. But really I was just kind of saying what everyone else was saying. And when you're a kid, you also don't know all of the creative opportunities there are. Yeah, Even yeah, through yeah. the whole of school, you don't know what creative opportunities there are because yeah. no one tells you anything. Yeah. They're like, you can be a teacher or a scientist or a vet. I'm like, I can't do any of that stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like curriculum does keep coming up in these conversations because I think it's so limited. It's like, you know, I studied art because I was good at drawing and art was pretty much just like... Yeah. You redraw like Tupac in the style of like an artist (laughs) or whatever. And it was just like that, which is not really it doesn't really give you any sort of taste of what no options are actually there well it's insane even after school still no one was like oh by the way you can like go into advertising or you can go into this and that like it's all stuff that me and my friends had to like research amongst ourselves and like we had different interests to I guess like other people we were hanging out with at school and um so we started I don't know, like just reading up on different things. Obviously my dad's from a musical background. So I started asking him about like what kind of jobs there were. And when he started telling me, I was like, what? Yeah. There's like a million jobs in music and creative. I had no idea, but it's insane. They don't tell you at school. And quite clearly there's different kinds of people and different kinds of ways of learning. And for me, I really struggled in like, maths for instance me and numbers are like not friends at all but i did love science right english was okay but i also did art because that was like i knew i was good at one thing yeah so i was like okay i can go and do art and then no one gives me any options after that they're like oh you can go and do fine art and i was like but i don't want to be an artist i don't want to like i really enjoy it but like what can i do with my 
creativity. Yeah. No one gave me any options. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. even my college teachers. They were just like, yeah, you can go and do a BA in fine art. <laughs> That's how I For me, it was always they try and push you to like graphic design because graphic design's like the yeah. version of art that you can sell. Yeah. I did illustration at uni. Yeah. I literally, but then I dropped out. But yeah, I got pushed okay. towards doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you were, so you said like you've always had a lot of different interests. What yeah. at, at that time, like before you went to uni and stuff, what other things were you interested in? I was, well, I was, I love film. Um, I love music in films. Um, I think like since I was young, ad- advertising as well. Since I was young, it's always something I've done. It's like if I listen to music or watch something, I, I just, I visualize everything. So right. especially if I'm listening to music, I, I've always visualized some sort of imagery. And, and do you think, because you kind of touched on it before, do you think though that having a, a family that had creative backgrounds helped you to like open up to more things? Yeah, for sure. Because I think, Having someone like my dad, who literally has had so many different jobs, right. like watching, like growing up, obviously he wasn't, he's still a musician, but he, that wasn't, he was, he wasn't doing that full time anymore. He was doing portraits for people at one point. I remember when we lived in Malaysia, he was being commissioned to do like fine art and things for people. Like someone was like the prince of somewhere right we like went to their house and it was like huge like pillars and he took this massive painting there and I was like literally a child but like what is going on and he, he taught fashion illustration he did a degree in glass blowing like this right. guy is like this is who I've watched creatively he's like extremely creative my mum's really creative too but I think when she's from an Asian background they didn't really they don't encourage it okay um, so yeah, watching him do like a million different things yeah. was just, I think that just had an influence on me and like, it also made me realize you don't have to do one thing. You don't have to just go and study to do one job, Yeah, which is great. So you remember being in Malaysia? Yeah, fully. How was it then to go from there to Bognor Regis? What was the like culture shock like? Uh, well, I remember probably like a few weeks before we left me and my brother were playing outside in Malaysia and he was like do you know that in England you can lie on the grass and I was like what because you couldn't do that in Malaysia because you get bitten to shit right like I don't know a snake or something I don't know but you just can't do that and I was like oh my god but I didn't know and he was like yeah you're gonna be cold and I was like what's cold like I don't know it's super super hot in Malaysia really humid and I remember getting there I'm walking off the plane. It was like mid-September and it was just grey. That's all I remember getting off the plane, just grey and cold. And I had a coat on. I'd never worn a coat before. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, what is this? But yeah, to be honest, most of the culture shock stuff for me was like food. Okay. Like squash. I was like, what the hell is squash? And someone gave it to me and I just drank it straight. I like, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know you had to add water. And I was like, it's disgusting. (laughs) Who would drink that? So yeah, that was more of the culture shock stuff for me. But I was super young. Yeah. So I don't remember like loads, but I do have quite vivid memories. Yeah. So where was it that you were studying illustration? After school, I did two years of art and design, which is total bullshit. 
um and then got forced to be like you have to go to uni uh, everyone made me feel like if you don't go to uni you're a failure and I was like but I don't know what I want to do yeah like everyone like had their paths and I was like I still don't know what I want to do so I ended up doing illustration and like that was at it's a place called Northbrook right uni it's like part of the University of Brighton literally in the middle of nowhere I did an art foundation there and it was so fucking good I was like, I might as well just stay here and do my uni course. Mm. It's only a foundation, so it's like a couple years. And um, I started doing it. First year was like, okay, but still really restricting because I'd get the teacher telling me, no, you need to like, um, you need to have like one style. And I was like, I don't have, I don't have an illustration style. I can just, whatever comes to mind, I'll draw. Yeah. Or like I'll draw it in the way that I see the like the final piece looking. And they would always Yeah, I don't know, I always I always had negative feedback from that. Right. But then there'd be some people in my class who only drew manga and he'd be like, This is so great. Every time I'd be like, Fuck you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're literally drawing manga. Like you're so unoriginal. Yeah. Um But yeah, the one thing that I loved was life drawing. Right. Life drawing really pushed me to progress in my actual like artistic skill okay like, I got so much better at drawing and observing and then they stopped that in second year and I was like cool I'm done I'm out I'm literally leaving and I basically taught myself how to do makeup and then I started doing makeup here and there for people and then got a job as a makeup artist okay and then moved to London how did you teach yourself? Was it like YouTube and stuff? Yeah, or? YouTube. Yeah. Like obviously if you're like artistic, it's a face is a, a blank canvas. Yeah. And it's actually still something that I really, really love. Like right. I love, like I always sit there on Instagram. My explore page is like pretty much all makeup stuff, okay. <laughs> which I don't think people would expect of me. Yeah. But I'm like, oh my God, I love this shit. Um, but yeah, it is, it is a canvas and it's, it's what is so, so creative and it's so different. Um, people have to do it so differently um, so yeah I taught myself how to do that on YouTube and then yeah how did you know that you were going to be able to survive when you made that transition to like moving to London to do makeup because I had a job in a place called Space NK okay and that enabled me to well I had I could do that and I could do freelance work and then I ended up just not doing freelance work because I realised I really wasn't enjoying it that much. Okay. And I wanted to, like being on shoots and stuff, I was like, I want to be the photographer, like the director of this. Like, I want to be, because I'd be on shoots and I'd do BTS and sometimes the photographer would be like, oh, can you like send me that picture? And I'd be like, why? <laughs> right. Because they, like, they wouldn't have come around and got the, the same angles as me, but... Yeah, I always, I was always like, I want to do photography. I want to do this more creative side of it. So then I, I actually started moving into playing around with photography. Yeah, and just doing my own kind of shoots, and I still do that now. Yeah, like I love, love, love photography. It's like it's just a passion of mine. It's not, I don't think I'm good enough to do it as a job, but I just, I love taking photos. Yeah, and that, like that's just how I see the world. Yeah, like if I'm like in a car, I'll be like, oh my god. I don't have my camera like looking out the window or like just seeing like little viewpoints everywhere I go that's how my brain works 
quite airy fairy. Yeah. <laughs> so and so Space NK, that's it's a shop, right? Yeah. Still my favorite shop. Right. Even though I worked there and like I had like, I had a good time and it was a good probably transition point for that time in my life. But I was also thinking the other day I was like I think I used all my like best brain cells at that age because I consumed so much information when I worked there like you had to it was so scientific I had to know like the basis of skin science and like how the body works and I had to know five ingredients in every single product in the whole store which is insane because there's so many but somehow I knew everything yeah and now I can't remember shit (laughs) like literally and I was like why do I still know all this stuff I should have been I wish I'd done I wish I had the opportunity to be doing something creative at that age because I feel like I would have soaked up more information right. then, but instead I soaked up that information, which isn't like the worst thing in the world, but Can yeah. you still do it if you go into their store? Do you yeah, still know probably. Five? I'll still pick it up and be like, this is <laughs> squalene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It does this. But yeah, I still love skincare and makeup, so it's a deep passion of mine. <laughs> and so from from being in that store what so was the shoot you were on through being there or was it that fr- the freelance stuff you were doing no it's freelance okay. stuff like I ended up not even doing that much when I got to London I was doing more stuff at home because I didn't really know that many people when I moved here and I lived in Streatham Hill which was so far away I felt so far away from everything and I just didn't really do anything it's actually pretty depressing yeah so I just yeah I did a few bits here and there and like sometimes I'd meet like clients in store. I used to do makeup for this princess, right. Arab princess. Okay. But in Knightsbridge, she'd just call me and like, be like, oh, I need my makeup done tonight. So I'd just go there at like 8 p.m., do her makeup, and then she'd go out and do something. It was so random. Yeah. I just remembered that. Um, but yeah, there was more stuff like that. That's why I was like, I really don't want to do this anymore. So what was the next step then? from the kind of shoots and you wanting to be a photographer what what happened next after the makeup stuff so I quit my job I think I moved home for a bit and then I was like I'm not staying here I literally want to die it's so boring what made you quit um what made me quit oh my god this is a really long story so I'm not going to go into it but there was basically this crazy like scammer guy right who was like talking to my dad about starting a label and all this stuff and he wanted me to do the A&R and I was like whoa A&R I never thought of doing that but actually that makes so much sense like in my spare time still till now all I do is research new music Mm -hmm. so and I made playlists and stuff like just out of passion and I was like this is perfect for me I know all like I know all the new artists. Like all I've been doing so much research. I constantly researched. I was like, yes, I'm gonna do this. And then it all fell through because he was a psycho. Right. And if I ever see you, I'm gonna kill you. But um <laughs> But in yeah. a way he led you. It onto did. A path. It did leave me on the path and I was like, actually it makes so much sense for me to work in music. And so I was doing more creative stuff. I was working at Goodhood. I moved, yeah, I moved back up and I was working at Goodhood and that's where it all kind of started because right. I was around creative people. I made a really good group of friends 
and we were all put we were all super young so we were like pushing each other to be like you go and do your shit I'm gonna do my shit like we can all do this together but still then I was like in a like creative design frame of mind and I was like maybe I want to do like printing or this stuff and then still had no idea what I wanted to do yeah so I was like doing photography bits on the side like started my own Instagram was just like posting stuff on there and then got asked to do some like BTS stuff so I was doing that and that's actually how I met Izzy right my business partner <laughs> um on a shoot so yeah that's kind of where it all began yeah photography wise and creative wise not even music wise still yeah at that point but do you think because you hear about a lot of like creatives and artists and stuff that are coming out of like streetwear stores what is like be is is everyone in there kind of like-minded and stuff do you think i would say so yeah i think a lot a lot of the people in there are creative and whether they don't have a actual creative outlet they're creative in the way they dress or like you know, they they were just interesting people. Yeah. Like I met I met great people there and everyone had aspirations. And it was it was really inspiring to be around because I was like, I can go and do my own shit too. Like I know I didn't realise I haven't been around these kind of creative people before. Um so it was really, really helpful actually like meeting all those friends. Yeah. And that's kinda of like pushing each other and like you know, sometimes when the store's quiet, you just stand around and chat. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I want to be doing this one day or that. And everyone's just like, yeah, you can do it. Like, you should do this. Or like, actually, I've got this friend. Like, you should talk to them. Or I've got a contact here. So, yeah, we were all helping each other. It was really nice. Yeah. And what kind of behind the scenes stuff were you shooting? Um, I'm trying to think. Like, was it music or was it fashion? It or? was It was more like, um, like, when, like when I was going out, I would like capture portraits of people. Okay. Um, and then I was like meeting a lot of people through doing that. And then I think the BTS stuff I was doing when I met Izzy, I was doing BTS for like a video, right. like, a, like a promo video, I think for an app, Okay. which was so random, but it had like loads of other creators. I met loads of people that day as well, which was y- great. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it wasn't like loads. It was more like doing stuff in my own time. I was also doing like collage shit. And like illustrations or like painting over photos and like stuff like that. And then just like putting it all up on my Instagram. Yeah. Was this because I know now you've got to, you've, you've kind of separated it out. So you've got a photography Instagram. Yeah. And you've got like your personal. Yeah. Well, Instagram. Yeah. At this point, was it all just like one feed? No, that, that was my separate one. Okay. It was my separate one. So if you scroll right, right, right to the bottom, there's all my first photos from when I was like, 23 okay like doing like 22 23 just got my my dad gave me a film camera like a film slr when i was like 15 so i was using it since then so i've I've always loved film and um so yeah just grabbed another little point and shoot and we'll just take it everywhere with me and just took portraits of people yeah that was it really yeah (laughs) what so then obviously you eventually leave Goodhood. I'm, yeah. I'm imagining you're not, unless you're secretly still working there. <laughs> what, um, yeah. How did you transition out of that job? So I, what did I do? It feels like so long ago. Oh, I started working in a restaurant. 
right part time okay. because it actually gave me way more money and way more opportunity to like do stuff in my spare time right when i went to goodhood i had the same two days off every single week okay. you could never get cover it was wild and yeah i started working in a restaurant that's super flexible i could do like all this creative stuff in my own time and it all basically started when me and when me and izzy met because we were like we had all these same like shoot ideas and all this stuff and we were like let's just do it yeah so we just started doing it right and then yeah that's kind of where the creative journey began musically in between when was this yeah i think i must have been working at the restaurant still at burger and lobster right <laughs> i was a host though so i just stood at the front like right. hey um i started meeting people who were doing a and r people who worked in labels right and that helped me loads yeah. i didn't really realize but i was like right i'm just going to reach out to these people and i'm just going to people like you know just reach out to someone ask them for a coffee like most of the time people do say yeah and i was super scared because i was like i don't know anything about working in music any jobs in music nothing so i was literally just going to pick these people's brains and be like how did you get to where you are and like what like what would you advise for me to do and i think the best meeting i had was he used to be the old head of a and r at virgin and he was like I want to hire you as an A&R, but also I can see that you're so much more. And at this point, I, I had no idea about like any creative jobs. He's like, you should you should be a creative consultant. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what is that? He was like, just go and research it. And honestly, I think this is what you should do. And that was the best piece of advice right. I had because it just opened up a whole new world of like all these jobs I didn't I didn't know existed. And it was putting my musical knowledge and my creativity together mm. to guide people which still like it's, it's hard to get into and yeah. it's hard for people to see like your skill if you don't do necessarily one thing yeah but yeah i think over time that's, that's still the thing i enjoy the most what is a creative consultant then well for me it's it's a create it's creative guidance it's an overall creative view of a project or, you know, of like a, a, like an overarching creative or guidance on something really small. I think even just like an opinion from right. your own knowledge. Yeah. Um, for me, creative consulting, it, it uses all of my knowledge in, in music and creatively like it uses all my skills even from down to things like makeup like a lot of the time if I'm if I'm doing like uh, the creative for a video I'll be thinking I literally think of all aspects I think of the color schemes the um, locations the makeup the the uh, <laughs> li literally like all, all aspects I think of yeah um so yeah is that sometimes hard because i guess it's your opinion so sometimes you, especially if you end up in a bit of an argument with somebody about it it's ultimately yeah. two opinions and you can start to doubt your own is that ever difficult or 
Yeah, I mean, I doubt myself constantly. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I do. Um, that's, that's still something that I struggle with. But I think I just have to believe that people have worked with me because they they want my creative input. Well, they they want to share my vision. So I'm like, no, it is, I'm here for a reason. And I have all this knowledge for a reason. Like I didn't just, it, it hasn't happened by chance. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. And is that the, is creative consultant, is that the job title? You know, when people ask you what you do and like, it's difficult without launching into a whole like autobiography, it's difficult to tell someone what you do. Yeah. What do you... What do you generally say is it creative consultant? Because you obviously do way more than that even. Yeah, I mean, for now, yeah. Right. That For now, that is what I say I do, but that's not my vision. Right. Like, I didn't even realise probably up until a few months ago that I was like, I actually think the perfect job for me is to be an art director. Right. Because every single thing I do, I'm so meticulous in everything. So that's, down to the way my room looks, down to the way I do my makeup, down to the way I dress or like put things together or like look at things visually or put colors together. I'm just super meticulous. And being an art director is all about spotting details or like making sure that all the details are covered. Mm. And I only found this out literally a few months ago that this was what an art director did. And I was like, oh my God. That is my perfect job. So for me, that's what I'm trying to do in the long run. Right. Like that—that that is what I would want to work towards. Okay. To do that freelance. It just makes so much sense to me. Right. To like make sure that everything from the music to the visuals to like literally the smallest things are all consistent and all that everything makes sense as a whole yeah i can do that but do you think even as an art director you'd be sort of like restricted yeah because because you also dj you put you like manage events you do all this other stuff do you think that you need to have like a job title that sums up what you do no not necessarily but i do just think i would really enjoy it right like i mean i can't even speak on it because i haven't i i have done it naturally in everything that i've done yeah um but i haven't done it as a job title with someone paying me being like you're an art director on this project but because i do i am meticulous and i enjoy all the small details and things i do think that that is something i would enjoy alongside everything else that i do so from being given that advice that you'd be good as a creative consultant like you said it's that's like a hard thing it's kind of like almost quite an abstract job isn't it yeah how do you then manifest that and make it happen? I think working in music and being a creative consultant, you just, you have to find your own project to work on. You have to find an artist that you really believe in or that you really want to work with or you, you align with creatively. And you, you just start doing it yourself. Yeah. You start working with them, you you become a team. Um and yeah, it is super abstract because when someone first said that to me, I was like, what the hell? Like what yeah. like what are you telling me? What am I supposed to do? 
but then they were like you know you you are the creative guidance to an artist and i was like oh yo that makes so much sense yeah. for me to do like because i i see everything as a whole yeah so i align the music with visuals just like i have done since i was a kid yeah of like listening to something and visualizing what it would look like it's it's the same thing but doing it and helping someone develop and watching them grow yeah which is what i love ultimately is like pushing people to progress and to help them in their journey yeah how do you like find those projects because i'm guessing a lot of smaller newer artists need that service but don't necessarily have budgets yeah so a lot of the time it was actually just like conversations with my friends who were artists stuff like that and they'd be like i want you to do this or i want you to help me with this and then things would never really come into fruition but it was always me kind of like just guiding them or giving them advice or like sending them an artist to do their um their artwork being like actually this would like align really well with you or i thought of this the other day so it was more just like helping people yeah which obviously i don't mind because i I have other stuff going on yeah um but yeah doing it as a job has been really really fun and really rewarding like been working on this girl band 303 for the last oh my god it's i think it's been like a year and a half now right that's mad and um just developing their whole creative their you know their visuals so like videos photos down to their styling down to their makeup down to like who they work with that is is super rewarding for me because yeah. it, it just it touches on all of the like all of my interests everything i'm interested in so i can be like oh, i know the perfect person for this well like this would work really well for this song so yeah it's great how did you get involved with 303 we got asked by the project manager and manager like these guys are from like quite old school pop music background and they're so knowledgeable they've they've done some amazing stuff they worked with like take that blue atomic kitten like that like amazing like you know they were were huge acts but then coming into this landscape now and like kind of filling that gap of an r&b girl band which doesn't exist right now yeah they wanted our guidance the core team was four people yeah izzy and then hugh and sarah project manager and general manager yeah and yeah we just worked with them really really closely and the girls obviously to make their vision come to life it's been really really fun still really fun with something as abstract as creative consultancy some people aren't necessarily going to understand how valuable that is how do you make people understand it and how do you work out how much it's worth it's really hard firstly to not undersell yourself not not undersell but not what's it called like under like undervalue yeah to to yeah to undervalue yourself because i think you do realize there's not that many people who can do what we're doing or have that necessary knowledge necessary knowledge to give the advice that we can so you do you do have to put a price on it Mm. but like coming up with that price has taken us years to be like actually we don't need to do all this stuff for free. Like we yeah. can charge for this because no one else is doing it. So yeah, it's taken a while. And yeah, you do have to, especially when you're working with labels, things like that, you 
you do you honestly have to constantly convince people yeah like no this is the right thing guys trust us like we're working with everyone on like at ground level like we know what's working and what's not it takes so much convincing it is is hard work yeah yeah and for, for people to cough up the money as well to actually be like to pay for your service is quite a hard thing to do but yeah you just gotta bite the bullet and do it yeah but you there's no one else who can do it so you either want me or you don't yeah so <laughs> did you have to to get to that point did you have to do a lot of free work and stuff or yeah i think like in in the beginning building up your portfolio in those early days like you do like you do favors for each other i guess you work with young creators you're like i'll do your photos and you'll have this on your portfolio etc cetera, etc cetera. so yeah a lot of it was exchanges of work or doing stuff for super cheap to make people realize that you can that you can do it yeah but then it's a hard balance between making that jump from doing stuff for like super cheap fees to then being like, actually, no, we're going to charge a proper fee now because you start working with agencies and stuff and you're like, these guys are charging tons of money yeah, and we have more knowledge than them. Yeah. So it's like, that's, yeah. When we started seeing that, we were like, okay, no. Yeah. Because they're they're coming to us for advice, but then they're getting the money. Yeah. So no. Yeah, because I think especially in music and especially when you're actually a music fan, it's easy to just be like, I love this artist. I want to help them out. Mm-hmm. I want to be involved in this project. And then you end up undercharging or doing it for free. And then you, like you say, you realize that everyone else involved is getting paid. And you're not. Yeah. Yeah. It's Is that a thing that you've had to sort of struggle with figuring out? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think now we've we've definitely got the balance. Um, but it's still hard. Like labels will come to us and I'm actually so sick of it. Will come to us with the smallest budgets and ask for the world. Yeah. And sometimes we'll do it as a favour because, you know, we're, we're friends with the artist or we want to work on that project. But it is something that I, I, I'm not doing again. Like yeah. I, I cannot deal with it because especially when you work with labels, you have what 10 to 15 people on an email thread going oh no can we change this oh no i want this actually oh i've asked this person this and then and then coming back to you at 8 p.m 9 p.m midnight and for literally the smallest fee i'm like i'm not getting paid enough for this yeah yeah yeah. and these guys expect so much so much so yeah are you able to establish a certain level of creative control when you do these things? Because I think it's like you say, when there's 15 people on a thread, you can come in with the best idea, but then by the time it runs through that thread, it's just like some weird sort of mishmash of everyone's ideas that just doesn't really do anything. Exactly. How do you stop that from happening? I think it's definitely something you have to lay down in the beginning. The best jobs that I've done is when we've had full creative freedom and people who really have given us the trust Mm. to be like here's the budget go and do what you want and that is the best because we run everything ourselves everything runs smoothly we know what's going on we will report back to them when you know when when it needs to be done yeah but it's not a constant what's happening with this what's happening with it you don't need to chase us like we have absolutely everything under control like just leave it leave it to us so yeah i think it's definitely about laying it down in the first conversations and being like if we move forward with this this is how we work 
Yeah. And a lot of people were like, yeah, and they agree. And then they don't. <laughs> they don't comply. Sometimes do you have to be hard and go like, this isn't working. We're going to get off this project now because the ideas are getting diluted or... Yeah, there's there's been a couple of times where we've had to really fight our corner. Um, but I think eventually people were like, no, you know, we hired, we hired them for a reason. Yeah. We hired like this creative and their network. Because when you work with Bossy, you don't just get... You don't just get the creative, you get our whole network, you get our knowledge of everything. So it's a whole package. Yeah. Really. And also if the project comes out kind of weakened by all of this kind of conversation, that I guess that reflects on, on you as well. Exactly. And it's not something you want to exactly. put to and your name. Yeah, we will always be honest and be like that this isn't something that we would put out or like would want like we don't want our name to if it's gonna be like this. Yeah. So yeah, you have to be honest, you have to be hard as well yeah everything's kind of turned into we and us and that and yeah i know now. it's just because so really... i think we need to go back to like yeah um so you met izzy on a on a shoot yeah and started working with her when did when did it become bossy london when did it become a thing about three years ago yeah so how long had you been working together and how did that sort of come together as a business as a joint venture literally since the day we met we had all the same creative ideas and we were like let's just do it and bossy was um just a platform that enabled us to to do the things that we wanted to do it just gave us that platform to be like yeah we do this this and this and that's that's why we started it i i didn't want to work in a label or just be like uh, to be honest, I, I still didn't really know. So it just, it gave me that freedom to explore all these different opportunities and do all the, all these different jobs, um, which has been great. Yeah. How, so how early did you come up with the name? We actually started it as a networking event. Right. For women yeah. called Bossy because we just wanted to flip the stigma attached yeah. to that word. And we're like, it's not bad. <laughs> yeah. It's actually a great thing. Yeah. And... It just stuck. We were like, actually, this is pretty good. So yeah. let's let's do it. Let's move forward. The company name. Yeah. So from a networking event, what was... Because obviously it's a, it's a radio show, you DJ, you do all yeah. these things. What was kind of next after the networking event? Because you still do networking stuff now, right, as well? Yeah, not, not as often as we'd like to. We, we've started doing these DJ workshops. Yeah. Which is... It's super rewarding and it is kind of it is networking for those young women who want to get into the industry and we're opening up that space for them to be like here's somewhere for you to come and learn how to dj with no judging eyes on you no guys who are just there for like to hang out with a girl or be a creep just to literally fully learn the logistics of djing and um so yeah that and to, to meet us and like we we help them as well like if someone was to approach me and be like oh I, I could could you give me advice on this or like I'm, I'm looking to meet someone in this kind of area can you help I always give them contacts and stuff like that so yeah it is, it is networking in that industry for us yeah so but so what was after the first networking stuff yeah was the radio show next or like what came next oh my god what or did just things happen we, at the oh, same we time we started doing events right um 
people saw how we curated our events and how like how much attention to detail we paid um down to set design things like that so we started working with labels i think the first thing we did was the internet meet and greet right it was like their first uk meet and greet and um yeah that was super fun like the first like kind of big job we did with the label and then yeah moved into events kind of stuff and that's how we we had a club night right we had a club night every month and we would book all the female djs and people would be like oh my god is it going to be like spice girls all night and we'd be like no <laughs> like yeah. come it was like ag snoochie shy emerald like all these girls at this point who were just starting their careers and playing like the hardest sounds and guys would come and be like what the fuck this is mad we'd be like yeah i know it's mad like yeah you know stop judging everyone just because they're a woman that they can't play the same if not harder sets than you like um so yeah we started doing that and then we, we would we started off with the female lineups mm-hmm. and then obviously it's about equality isn't it so we were booking male and female and yeah that's how we really got known i think right how we developed like our network and our our following from those parties yeah for, for the like networking events and parties and stuff how did you get the funding to be able to do them and put <laughs> such attention to detail into everything because obviously everything comes with a cost so. yeah actually the the first networking events we did were with converse right and i love converse because they've always helped us they've always supported us and really not asked for anything in return like they've just just been there for the cause yeah um that's why i really rate them and yeah, they gave us budgets to be able to do the set design and to have places to do it. But it was it was them basically who helped yeah. us. And then the parties, you just charge on the door. Yeah, that was that was literally it. Yeah. From the club night, when did you start to transition onto radio? I used to listen to NTS relentlessly, and even when I lived at home before I lived in London, it's still something that I listened to. It's something that I loved, and I just thought I love. I love NTS because you can literally play whatever you want. And for me, like researching all my music, making all my playlists just in my spare time, I was like, this would be a dream to just have an NTS show because you're free to do whatever you want. And um, so I approached them and I sent a few of my playlists over and they were like, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, this is a dream come true. And yeah, it's been an amazing relationship ever since like still uh do our show once a month play the most like basically just like new stuff that i've been listening to that izzy's been listening to and then kind of trap stuff sometimes we do mixes sometimes it's super eclectic so yeah yeah what about when did you actually start djing because i guess were you djing at the parties or initially no. was it lineups okay so, so you were just we, booking people yeah and we always wanted to be like we should be doing this like we should be djing at our own events and we should be learning how to dj like we've got an nts show and people from the nts show people started asking us to play sets right and we were like okay no we need to learn we did we always wanted to learn but we just never really like took it that seriously and then 
we asked some of our friends to teach us, did a few sessions. This was about a year and a bit ago. And then it's just ever since then, it just took off. It's still, still practice, still every single time we play, I learn more and more. And it's really, really fun. Yeah. Like, I never imagined that I'd be a DJ. Yeah. But I actually, it's really, I love it because I get to finally play my own music out at night or like hear, hear the music I want to hear out Yeah, that no one ever plays or I don't know, you know, and sometimes people can't read a crowd Yeah, and they just keep hammering that music and no one doing anything. Like I'm quite receptive. Right. Like I always look at like what people are doing. Be like, oh no, they vibe to this more. So I'll play more of this stuff as well as like showcasing new music. So yeah, it's, it's really fun. It's a way to play out my discoveries and like what I really enjoy. Yeah. How is it from, because I guess everything you've done before that is like very behind the scenes and you're not like yeah. in front of people. How is it to then be like honest? Like, because I've seen you on pretty big stages. Like, how is that? <laughs> um, to be honest, nerve wracking. And I'm not, like, I still am a very behind the scenes person. Like, I love being behind the camera, behind the creative all that kind of stuff. So being in front of the camera, especially like doing shoots or like having people take videos of us or literally all eyes are on you, especially when you're doing a, a you know, a set on a big stage or you're opening up for someone. It is, it's so scary. But as soon as you start playing and then I'm like enjoying the music, I just forget. Yeah. So, and then I'm just like, I'm just into the set. So I don't think about it anymore. Yeah, yeah. And then I guess at one point, I think when we met, you were do also doing PR. Yeah. It was actually, Izzy said to me, because we both come from PR backgrounds, but she was doing fashion at the time. And she was like, it's a really, really good thing to, to just get in and meet people and to get into the industry and to understand how everything works. And I was like, cool, I'm just, I'm going to try it. And um, yeah, that's, that's that's how I got into it. Literally, the first person I met was Imran, and yeah. I got a job with him. And then I just learnt everything. Like I had I had never done PR before, so I literally came from zero knowledge of that background, and just learned everything as I was going. And um, yeah, it was. I would recommend that to anyone to start off, and no matter if if you want to get into the creative industry, if, even if you just want to grow your network and like have understanding of how not just creative but like fashion brands like how everything works behind the scenes do that job even if it's for a year like I learned so much and I met so many people and it was yeah it's invaluable to me that that time how long were you with Imran it's about a year and a half okay yeah and what what kind of campaigns were you working on there we were doing like, I was with, I jumped on basically when Jay Huss was taking off and yeah, working to get, you know, working to make people see he's the next big thing and like seeing Imran like pull through like massive covers for him, like was crazy. Um, what other campaigns are we doing? Scissor. Yeah. Like Scissor was amazing. It ended up I ended up working with her doing the her meet and greet 
an event. So yeah, there was it, it all tied in together. When you were with Imran um, doing PR, that's a more traditional like job. Yeah. I'm guessing you're getting like paid for monthly and stuff yeah. like that. And then it came this point where you were like, I'm going to jump off now and we're just going to do bossy and that's going to be our main thing. How yeah. did you, what's your like kind of advice for people who are trying to find that right time to sort of like quit their day job and dive into their thing? First things first, it's never going to be easy. Like it's never, it's never plain sailing going from a full-time job into fending for yourself out there in the real world with no like sustainable monthly income. Like you're in control of your income. Like you're choosing whether you're going to be able to pay your rent every month by the amount of work that you do. Um, And that's something I was really scared about was not having like a stable income. And I spoke to loads of people and they were like, no, it, it doesn't matter. You're, you're never going to get to a point, like, especially where, where I was at that time, where I'm going to be earning so much that I would have been able to save and be like really comfortable in my first like freelance months. Um, and I was like, do you know what? Yeah, I'm just going to do it. So I think just, just dive in. As long as you have like some sort of work lined up or you have like a direction you want to go. And it's not the worst thing in the world. If you if you can't do it, just get a part-time job. Yeah. Like you're not in that forever. Yeah. You don't have to be freelance forever. You can you can go and do other bits. You can get a part-time job to sustain you. It's not the end of the world. Why do you think it was necessary to to do that and to put everything into bossy? Because I couldn't do both. It got to a point where I was working honestly until like midnight every night because I'll be doing the PR stuff all day and then I'll go home and I'll be doing all the bossy stuff. And I was just like, I am physically exhausted. I can't even think straight. I'm spreading myself so thin that I'm not being able to give my best to, in it put my best into everything that I'm doing. And I hate that so much. Like I'm such a perfectionist. <laughs> so I was like, if I can't do this properly, I don't want to do it. So yeah, I was like, I need to, I had a break. I went to Japan and Malaysia and then I came back and I was like, I'm ready. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> At what point did, I mean, it might still not be, but I'm guessing it is bossy some sort of formalized company now. We registered as a company when like years ago, right. when we like first started it, we just did it on company's house. Yeah. We're like, <laughs> we're a company, but obviously there was like nothing really going on. Uh, but yeah, now we're a full fledged company business account everything yeah (laughs) how would what what would you advise for people who are trying to set something up like that because like i think there's different there's different times to do different parts isn't there like yeah you don't necessarily if you have an idea today need to like fully register it and get a business account and all that no no of course not um i think if you have like if you have a business name register on company's house it costs like I can't even remember. It's like peas, nothing at all. Yeah. Um, just just get it started. Doesn't mean you have to do anything. Your company can be dormant, but you own it still. At least no one else can take that name. Don't get a business account until you actually have money coming in. You've got to start doing your own taxes and you're actually earning like a full income being freelance. Yeah, or maybe it might be advisable to get a business account. I don't know. <laughs> 
<laughs> maybe we did it the wrong way around but still like we've like we've gone into this blind like we don't know how to start a business or like do all this stuff we've just done it because we had to yeah and getting an accountant really helps yeah i love my accountant so much he's so great <laughs> how do you structure it in terms of like you know if a if a dj booking comes in i'm guessing that money goes into the bossy account yeah and then do you do you guys just get a sort of salary or how do you sort of i mean work that stuff out we're still like there's there's no exact amount that we get every month right like it just it really depends on what we've got going on and that, that's why we you know you just get no days off yeah you just gotta work constantly and like we're putting it out there that you want to work and that you're available to work there's no like certain amount that i'll get each month yeah. so i literally just live month to month yeah it may seem glamorous but <laughs> on on the gram yeah <laughs> as does everyone's but no it's not easy at all yeah i'm still living that like freelance life like going month to month like what am i doing <laughs> but so you said the the no days off thing is that how is that because you've got to take some time out to oh yeah like for me i fully switch off in the evenings yeah like i don't i won't answer like obviously if i have to i have to but I'll really like take that time to switch off. Like I don't really use my phone in the evenings. I don't really go on Instagram in the evenings. I don't, I mean, sometimes I automatically look at my emails is the first thing I do, but it's like by default, I'm just like, click on it, click, like open my phone, go on email. But yeah, I've, I've kind of learned to like really separate my time. You just, you really have to make the conscious effort to be like, no, today, I'm going to relax or I'm going to try to relax and just not think about it. It's hard. Yeah. But obviously if you're, if you're making you're generating your own income, you can't just be like, yeah, I'm going to take like three weeks off and chill. Yeah. You just can't. Yeah. yeah you literally can't. I ha like, even if I'm not on emails, I have to keep an eye on everything. I read everything. I'm, I'm across everything. So yeah. Do you ever leave your phone at home or anything like that mm, no i wish i could sometimes i want to throw my phone out of the window just like stop yeah. texting me calling me <laughs> it's not fair but it, it all comes with it and i just always think to myself it'll be worth it in the end yeah. that i'm gonna just really really grind for the next four or five years hopefully get to where i want to be and then i can kind of relax yeah so that that's where my head's at <laughs> What's your relationship with Instagram like? Are you on it all the time? Are you addicted to it? Could you do without it? I think like Instagram is a really useful tool. Yeah. And I think when used correctly, it's like, it's so great. I, I do so much discovery on there of creatives. Like I have a whole folder of like, every time I scroll through Instagram, I'll, I'll come across, and obviously with their super weird algorithms now, you actually get content that is relevant to you. Yeah. which creeps me the fuck out but it's also really useful <laughs> so a lot of things come up and i see a lot of new creatives and i just save them and it it's so helpful because then I'll, I'll be like oh actually this person's going to be perfect for this project that i've got coming up or this video or this or this photo shoot um but yeah i think instagram really unhealthy you can find yourself sitting on there scrolling for like hours on dumb shit 
but mostly like i don't even scroll through my feed i just go on my explore page and watch stupid videos so it's kind of like how i switch off okay um but yeah i try not to be on it too much to be honest and i use it as as my tool to it's really good place to meet people as well it's so easy to just message someone and be like i really fuck with you like let's meet up for a coffee or like i'm gonna be in new york like i'd love to meet like it's so so easy i don't think it's ever been that um we've never had a more accessible yeah accessible time to to meet or approach people so yeah i think in, in terms of that it's really really good is there pressure for you to post stuff and to make sure that there's like new stuff on your feed and yeah. stuff like that yeah i just have to make sure that because like for me i i think even recently i keep thinking if i go onto someone's profile it's it's you know you you get a first impression within six seconds of like or like two okay. scrolls so for me like if i go on someone's page and they say they're a dj i'm gonna be like i want to listen to their music so i'll like look at videos of them doing that stuff or you know that that that's what i'll be looking for they're photographers so i want to look at their work or i want to look at their portfolio so i've just been putting that into my instagram recently being like actually if i was from an outside perspective and i say i'm a dj like you're gonna want to go into my instagram and listen to what i do so i've been trying to like put that across and i think before i was just kind of like like posting anything on there so yeah it is a bit more curated now you obviously like recently put me onto an article about generalizing rather than specializing yeah which i think was really interesting and one of the reasons i wanted to talk to you is because a lot of the people that I've had on the podcast have been like people where it is like they're an MC, they're a photographer, yeah. they're, they're a DJ. There's, it's like one thing. And obviously, obviously that's really good and they're all really successful in what they do. But there are people out there and that's not the way that I work either. It's yeah. like I do a lot of different things and I think that it's important to highlight that. There are going to be people out there who don't know what they want to do. Yeah. That article, could you kind of sum up what it, what it's about and how it resonates with you it's on the guardian as well if anyone wants to look it up i guess if you search generalizing specializing yeah it'll come up i think for me that a, a friend of mine sent it to me when i went to him and was like um i'm stuck like i, I don't know what to do i feel like i feel like i need to specialize in one thing to be secure in my life and to have that one thing to always fall back on. Um, and for me, it was just, it was kind of like the stamp of approval that what I'm doing is working and like not not to worry and not, it's, times have changed. Times have changed for everyone and especially our generation, everyone is a multi-dimensional creative. And I think like moving into the future, that that is the way forward. For me, I think to to come from the bottom and have an understanding on every level of what everyone is doing in on a certain project or in a or a company or a job, to have that understanding, I think, will make you the best creative leader if if, if that's what you want to be. And it just it made me stop worrying, right. basically, and to be like no. My, my knowledge of all these different things is super useful and it doesn't matter that I'm not really really well versed in one thing because it's actually more valuable to have 
to have knowledge of all the other components of being a creative yeah. not necessarily just creative i think it's in most jobs now yeah, yeah. and i guess to be fair we, even with the other people that i mentioned where they can sort of say i'm this there's still elements of like they need to put photos up on insta yeah. to show what they're doing they need to make merch or they need to like yeah. there's still i guess other creative things that have to support whatever it is they're doing yeah so it so to a to a degree they're they're what they say they are but then also i guess they are having to generalize and learn other skills exactly to especially if you're working if you don't have a team yeah. you're like developing yourself like your art directing yourself like you do end up just being a multifaceted creative because you're like i want my videos to like this i want my visuals to like this i want my sound to be like this so you are you are having that input on all levels anyway yeah i think yeah having like a, just one label is maybe it's quite an old school way of thinking now yeah when creativity is like kind of your bread and butter obviously we aren't always inspired and we aren't always mm -hmm. or I, I, you might be but i guess <laughs> i'm not um do you have days when you don't feel inspired and how do you kind of like work through those yeah i mean i, I have days where you know they they don't come that often but sometimes i'm like i just want to throw everything away and go and like live on a farm yeah <laughs> i'm sure other people no, have yeah, had this yeah, too yeah. like i've had this conversation so many times with people i mean like, i just want to separate from everything i don't want technology i don't want anything but i think i think in any industry you get a block sometimes you become uninspired because you get so restricted by you know not not being able to do what you want to do especially when you're a creative like creative minds work differently and when you become restricted within a project or within a label or a brand when you have to meet their requirements it can be hard but I think if if you're creative the the inspiration will come back because for me I don't just I get inspiration from like reading or watching a film like sometimes a film will have such a profound effect on me that it literally stays with me for like a week and then I have a new energy for something or like I'll listen to an album and I'll be like, this has changed my whole, like, the way I've been thinking. Or even go to a gallery or even meet someone. Like, I think there's there's so many factors that can change your inspiration daily that it's, you, you can overcome it, even though it's shit. Yeah. <laughs> do you find that when you do get something like that, like, you know, I'll get that too, where you've watched a film and something in the film really inspires you and then you kind of have to like cling on to that yeah for as long as you can and it might last like a day it might last like a week yeah but how do you sort of keep a hold of the inspiration once you've got it honestly like i'll just i'll revisit it yeah i'll just go back and revisit it. and sometimes i forget and i'll find something new and then i'll go back to that and be like oh i forgot about this i forgot about the feeling that it gave me i don't i don't know if everyone has that yeah but for me, it's like, it's so intense. Like if if I'm watching something or like, I'll be so creatively in awe of something that I'll like, like go and research into it deep. Like for instance, Interstellar. Right. Is one that I watched it. I think I've watched it like four, five times now. And it's, it's super intense film and I get something new from it every time. Because I'm also interested in science. 
I was like, I was obsessed. And I literally, I spoke to everyone about it. I was like, what, what do you think? Have you watched this? Blah, blah. Then I went and researched <clears> it <throat> deep and realized that the director used the same, it was all done on film. They didn't right. use like, they, they used barely any CGI. So like so much stuff was done with green screen, like um, not green screen, um, 60 foot projections. Everything was done with the same camera. Like, and then I was like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> done. Like, this is crazy. But like, I'll get moments like that where I'm like, I'll get super into film and then I'll get super into music. Like I love Hans Zimmer and Hans Zimmer did all the music for Interstellar. Right. So then I'll like go and research that and I'll research all his music. Like there's so many different like avenues of like when something new inspires me. Like when you research stuff, do you like record it somehow? Or do you keep notes or is it just you read it and then? No, I just, I read it. And then I guess my brain just retains the information that I find most interesting. Yeah. And that's just all I keep. And then I forget everything else because I forget shit all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so bad. Yeah. When you like, when you build a brand, I feel like sometimes the brand can kind of become this thing that you're almost like locked into your own thing. Yeah. And I just wonder, because obviously as well as Bossy London, you and Izzy are sort of your own individual creative yeah. people. Yeah. Do you Do you ever find that sometimes people want the bossy thing but actually you can kind of do it in a different way or Izzy can do it in a different way yeah I think it's hard because yeah like like we've built this brand together and like visually sonically everything that we do is us like it's, it's our individual taste coming together to make this but really we are we are very very similar creatively and that's why we work together so well because we're just on the same wavelength but we do have like really vast interests and we and different as well yeah i think like i i still do my own bit she still does her own bits i think that's something we'll both we'll both be doing is like honing in on our individual interests yeah but do you think sometimes people ever have a sort of incorrect perception of you because they just see a brand? For sure. Like, I think what Bossy puts out of me is that maybe I'm quite extrovert, I'm quite out there, um, love the camera, all that kind of stuff, when I'm literally the total opposite. I'm an introverted person. I'm a neek. <laughs> I love science. <laughs> like, do you know what I yeah. mean? Like, I we'll go to a gallery by myself and like sit there and like intensely analyze painting. Like, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, yeah. I think what Bossy gives off of me is not me at all. And so many people have met me and been like, oh my God, I thought you were like this, but you're not at all. You're yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you're so different. And I was like, yeah, I guess you just have to meet me and yeah, talk to me. And actually I'm not, I'll talk to everyone pretty yeah. easy going because i guess with a brand it's kind of like that is the that is that sort of cross-section where you two meet and i guess give each other a different confidence and a different level of yeah support whereas separately like you might there might be a completely different person yeah yeah definitely we've helped each other loads as well our personalities are so different like izzy's quite out there and i'm like 
quite quiet and chilled and we both helped each other like yeah in different processes of like different ways of processing things different ways of like approaching situations we've we've helped each other loads so yeah it's good it's good to have that balance but yeah yeah, it's it's hard because you do get lost in it or like people have this perception of me and I'm like it's not me at all so I think if you follow if you see my normal if you see my Instagram is totally different to any of that or like I, I don't know I actually don't I well, bossy is like a part of you, isn't it? But it's yeah. like, it's only one part and then there's like a bigger, like, person. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I probably like, I don't get to put all of my creative stuff or all of like the music that I listen to across with bossy because we've like, we've built this brand. Yeah. And like, everyone knows us, you know, it's like, it's Trap and it's Bashman and it's this and that. And I'm like, actually, I love, I fucking love jazz. Like, I really, really love jazz and I love, I love so many different kinds of music. Like I love, I love world music. I'm listening to old music from different countries. I'm just, I have an intense interest in music. That's just ditching my passion. But it'd be great to have an output for that. Yeah. For me. I was thinking of making um, some mixes. Yeah. I probably do. Of just my stuff that I discovered. Yeah aside from that (laughs) what would be because you obviously said you're quite introverted what's your advice for like introverted people that are trying to because i guess the music industry at least is perceived to be quite is full of like extroverted Mm -hmm. people like what's your advice for someone who's introverted trying to get into that i think um go and meet people go and meet people one-on-ones for coffees because then you're literally just there having a conversation with them and it, it doesn't become a thing where you have to prove yourself in a room full of people or you have to speak up if you don't feel confident speaking up but I think e- even as a introvert most of the time if if you're speaking on something you're really really passionate about just know that people they're not judging you how you're talking about it or how you said it like they're actually listening to you like they're listening to your input and I think for a lot of introverted people they're like they're scared to speak out because they're judging what I think for me over the years as well I'm like oh my god what are they gonna think like if I say this or like and then you just end up not saying anything but I've learned to just learn to speak up because you're there for a reason you're in that conversation for a reason you're in that room in this meeting with all these people for a reason so you you're well within your right to have your input and to say to have to have your opinion yeah i also feel like as as part of bossy you guys have been important in kind of introducing the uk to some important acts and stuff that have come over like yeah you know you warmed up for rico nasty when yeah when um she had that tiny like birthday At show birthdays, yeah. which was amazing and then obviously you just did the megan the stallion party yeah. how how has that been to sort of be involved from that grassroots level of like these acts that we I guess as music fans, we already know they're big because they're already big in the US, but then they haven't necessarily cracked here yet and they're coming to like smaller venues and you're kind of working with them from that yeah. level. How is that part of the process? It's, it's something that I love because firstly, I think researching all these new artists and discovering them and then actually getting to work with them. And like when you know, you're like, this person's going to blow, they're going to be huge. And then getting to work with them at, at that 
development level when they're first coming over to the UK. I'm just, to be honest, I'm just happy to be a part of it, to be promoting them to our network and to not necessarily even just our direct network, but like people who follow us or are there to discover new music or, you know, people who like have no idea what we even do, but like, we'll be like, oh, what's this? Like, it's 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 all a part of discovery. And well, that that's what I enjoy just about working with artists and helping develop them creatively or helping them with whatever they need. It's like pushing them out into the limelight and being like, look, this person's really, really talented. Everyone should look and watch this person and listen, obviously if you like it. But yeah, yeah, I think that like that's, it's yeah, it's a really important part for me and it's like one of the most enjoyable as well. Yeah. What's the most difficult thing that you've had to overcome across your career so far? I think probably like personal growth and having the confidence to speak up and to know your worth and to be honest and to there's there's a lot I I think yeah personal growth like it's, it's a constant journey and I think through through doing this or through maybe I don't necessarily being a role model but I've had I've had people come up to me and be like oh, like you've helped me so much like you've made me see that I can do this or like you've actually had an impact on my life like I've, I've stopped doing this and now I've started doing such and such and I'm like whoa I'm actually making a difference and yeah I think growing as a person and like growing confidence in what I do and in talking about what I do and in meeting people and that that's yeah that's been a difficult but rewarding part and then I think like logistically probably just talking to labels talking to people like selling yourself in like that's difficult as well but there comes a point where you're like no I'm I know my worth now. And what are you most proud of about what you've achieved so far? Oh, that's really hard. I'm proud that I have a company. I'm proud that I work for myself and support myself. I'm proud that I learned how to be a DJ. I'm proud that I can really easily reach out to people and they'll talk to they'll talk back to me just because of like all the things we have done or like we have this platform I have this platform now to be able to do these things like there's there's not like one certain thing yeah like one necessarily one thing there's there's loads of things I'm proud of it's still growing yeah <laughs> and then lastly what does success look like to you success I think um success for me is being able to do what I want to do and being able to live off it that is success to me I think for me it's quite a hard question to answer because I don't feel like I'm there yet yeah but then I have to sometimes I have to stop and look back and be like no I've actually done loads of stuff I need to give myself credit for all of these things it's actually mad and I have, yeah, I have, I have been successful so far because I'm still doing what I want to do. Like I have the, the powers in my hands. 
Thank you for listening to Making Conversation with Grant Bryden featuring Damira Coombs. If you like this episode, then please be sure to rate, comment and subscribe wherever you're listening to podcasts. You can find Damira at Diddy Coombs on social media and check out her photography at Damira Coombs on Instagram. You can find me on social media at Grant Bryden. Thank you to Kiki, where we recorded all of these episodes.